of warfare. Some of you may have already picked up on that in your spirit. So we do war with our praise. Uh, the walls of Jericho down because of their praise, right? He sent Jehoshaphat and those guys out to overcome the enemy with their praise. So let's, let's stand our feet. I want to read to you from Psalm 138 as we get ready to praise and worship the Lord. He is our solution to every problem. Amen? Amen. He said, I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods, little g. I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. That's how important God's word is. That's why we preach it, teach it, sing it, live it. We want to do everything with God's word. And he says, in the day that uh, when I cried out, you answered me. All the kings of all of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. Amen. That's good news, amen. But the proud he knows from afar. James talks about that in the New Testament. He resists the proud but gives grace or access to himself to those who are humble. He says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand. Who's the hand of the Lord? Jesus. Against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. We see a lot of these prayers from David when he cries out to God when trouble comes. We live in a troubled world. We live in a very troubled nation. Everything is under attack. I believe the enemy realizes, Satan, that he just got a little bit of time left. And so we're facing his wrath because he knows there's just a short time. And I want to say this. That he's got less people to focus on now because many people have left and went by the wayside. Many don't serve the Lord. So the, the remnant is who the devil can focus on. We got to be strong. We got to be full of praise. We got to be full of the word. And we cannot be discouraged. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. The psalmist said, I don't look to the things around here. My help comes from the Lord. I look past the hills. I look to the heavens because that's my God. Amen. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give some praise this morning. We're going to sing that again in just a moment, but this is a teachable moment. Uh, it was You could clearly see our transitions today. I mean, part of that's on us. Part of it's on you. The spiritual warfare is more intense today than some other days. You all helped us this morning. It was, you could see when our praise, our higher praise and making that, and it was easy to see when we went behind the veil here just now. That's important. And I got a hook in it. I got some eros. Makes it easier for me to preach. <clears throat> when you, we all get together and do warfare, right? Praise and our worship is warfare 
especially our prayer stage for us to go behind that veil. And you can see that this morning. And part of that was on you all. You all really come out with it. So we need to do that every time we come through these doors. Amen. Let's worship him just a little bit more as we're by. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. We're so thankful, Lord. We're so thankful that you show up when we praise you. So thankful, Lord, that you receive our worship. And we're so thankful, Jesus, that you made for us to move behind that veil. And everybody said, Amen. Give me like your praise again. He's worthy. Amen. Appreciate everybody really going after it today. Children's Church is dismissed. You can follow Mike over. There's a nursery on the other side as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. A little bit of this stem from 1 Ch Samuel chapter 4 in our Bible study Thursday. Uh, but I want to share some things with you before I get into Scripture. and I'm going to take you down the valley, but I'm going to bring you out before we get done. A good friend of mine who pastors in Pensacola. How many of you remember Betty Jean? She's from the holler over from where I'm from. She's from another holler from where I'm from. He said, uh, he brought her down to Pensacola and she said, you think they'll like my singing down there? He said, yeah, they'll like it. He said, but just don't leave us in the valley. Sing us out when you come out. <laughs> if y'all grew up like I did, you know they had a, had a time leaving us in the valley at times. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, I want to take you down the valley just for a minute here. Three things I want to speak to you about, and I want everybody to hear it. Are we on air back there? Okay. <laughs> so I want, to, I want everybody to hear this uh, from around the globe. We welcome all of you all that are watching around the United States and around the world and any of you that will get this delayed podcast or YouTube video. But I want to speak to everybody, not just the people that are in this building this morning. Three things I'd like to say to you. The state of our nation, what we should be doing, and, and why we will still have hope. So here's some, some things I read this week and heard. <clears throat> things I gave my ear to and my eyes to is reading. These eight things I, I saw this week in our nation. Number one, many churches, not two or three, Many churches are having transgender service celebrations where the pastor sits down and the transgender speaks. Many churches are doing that in this nation. This is, I'm going to quote the CDC. I saw this week was that the CDC says that homosexuals and bisexuals are more susceptible to the monkeypox. Not a Christian group. The CDC said that. The other thing I, I saw, that gas prices are higher than they've ever been before. I think I'm probably not the only one that saw that. And that's proportional as well. Another thing I read about this week was that $7 trillion were wiped out from the stock market since January. At least. Another thing I read came across this week. 4,000 preachers quit the ministry before they ever finished their training. Oh. 
1,500 preachers leave the ministry every day. And 4,000 plus churches shut their doors every year in America. The final thing I read is where the USDA has decided to tie school funding for lunches with transgender, whatever they want to call it, inclusion. In other words, our local school systems can lose funding for money for lunches. Now you think how horrendous this is. That's communism. They can lose money for funding school lunches for a lot of children who are desperate for that if they don't let a boy change in the girls' locker room. That's what the USDA is up to. Those are eight things, and that's just eight that I read about our nation this week. Some of them have to do with the church, some have to do with our culture, some of them have to do with disease, but they all have to do with the byproduct of sin. We're trying to answer questions with the wrong solutions in this country. And so I want, to t- I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 1. I want to rem- uh, let, me t- let me first take you to 1 Samuel chapter 4. And I want you to notice what these guys said when they were going backwards. In verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 4, I'm just going to read the first three verses of this. Now Israel's God's people, right? They were blessed by God, they were the- and they've been turning their back on God. Same thing America. I would say this to anybody who wants to hear it. No nation has come close to being as blessed as Israel except the one you and I are living in. And we've been doing the same thing to God they have since the 1920s. We've been turning our backs on God and now God's not even relevant to most folks. And now, and as I said this in the beginning, I didn't make it, I wasn't emphatic about it. But if this was the target before for Satan, for the the believers, the target's down here now. He has to focus. He, his focus can be more on target because he has less people to deal with. Now, I'm not, uh, we'll do this sometime. I'm not here to debate Armini, uh, Arminianism and Calvinism. That's for another time. And that's uh, both sides of the fence where most churches fall under. But forget that for a minute. We can't deny that the church at large is people by the droves. And churches are shutting down. Doesn't matter which side of camp you're on, or maybe somewhere in the middle like I am, it doesn't matter that the bodies are still leaving and churches are closing, shutting down. And I heard one preacher say, he said, they said, Don't we have enough churches? He said, When they quit building bars, then we'll quit building churches. I thought that's a pretty good response. Amen. <laughs> so we we're in a troubled time. We're in and but here's the thing we shouldn't be caught off guard. Look what Israel, what happened with Israel. It says, now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. And then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And they joined battle, uh, they, and they joined battle. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today? They they put it on God's shoulders. They didn't give the Philistines any credit for winning the battle. Because they knew, these leaders 
knew that if they were right with God, they would have never lost that battle. See, that's where America's lost their way. We got everybody crying out for everything, and nobody's crying out for God except a few pockets of believers like you and I are in this morning. We're not crying out for God to show up and do certain things, and we're not repenting and asking His forgiveness like we should be. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about. So the first thing we're going to look at is the state of our nation. If you will, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. In Isaiah chapter 1, we read some things about the state of Israel, and these are uh, coincide with what's going on in America. It's easy to see this. So the Israelites said, we lost that battle. God allowed it, so what's wrong? That's what they were saying. They didn't give any credit to the Philistines. And I've said this for the last 20 years. And I know we're, uh, we're closer now than we've ever been. But the worst thing that could happen to America is for God to withdraw His hands and say, you guys have at it, just do your own thing. Now, I don't know how close we are to that, but i got a feeling that we're probably pretty close to that for God. Now, the good news, we've got good news for the believer, those who are faithful and follow the Lord. We'll talk about that in the third part of this message. But in Isaiah chapter 1, listen to what he says in verse 2. He says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. That's exactly what he did with America. He gave us this nation. He raised us up, and we've been turning against him since the 20s, and it's got aggressively worse since the 60s. And he said, I've nursed up and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know my people do not consider. In other words, the animals are smarter than who's in charge over them than the people are of who's in charge over them. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say this as loud as I can because I want the whole world to hear it or whoever's listening. You better understand, I don't care if you're sitting in a seat this morning watching this and you're a sinner. You better understand that God's in charge and He's got the last say in every single thing. That's why those people in Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us? We know He's in charge. We know the Philistines could not overcome us unless God allowed it to happen. So you better understand that God is in charge. I don't care what situation you and I are talking about. He is the one that's in charge. And the next thing you better understand is you better embrace the Word of God. It is the truth. It's not facts. It's beyond facts. It's the truth. Facts can change, right? Truth never changes. It's inalterable because it's a person. It's the Son of God. And if you do abandon truth, I want to say this as loud as I can. If you abandon truth, you have nowhere else to go. Because all other paths lead to destruction. And so you and I need to settle that in our hearts and minds today. When you get tempted, there's great warfare. I understand I've been taught to churches, there's a, a great warfare going on in our, in, against the body of Christ right now. But you better make up your mind to keep moving forward. You better understand that God is in charge and you better not veer off the truth. Because that's our only way out of here. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give him some more praise. He's worthy. So he said, the donkey is, is smarter than my people. We saw a clear example of that with Balaam, didn't we? Balaam was supposed to be God's man, right? And he got off track. 
And when he got off track, the donkey saw the presence of the angel. He didn't have no idea what was going on. And that's the whole nation has fallen into that. And God says, alas, the sinful nation of people laden with iniquity. That's America. A brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. Do you realize that since the 70s and 60s, how many laws we've passed in this country that are direct opposition to God's Word? A nation like that can't stand unless it turns, repents. And that's what's going on here. He's, he's, he's calling them. He says, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. They went the wrong way. You, why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more. In other words, God said, I've been chastising you, but it's working. You keep doing your own thing. You keep going away from me. And he says, why should I keep doing that? The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds, bruises, putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Now the Lord offers all that. And we're going to come back to that somewhere in our sermon where he talks about that. But they're refusing it. They just keep doing their own thing. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. All this is very applicable to our own nation. Strangers devour your land in your presence. We've watched cities in the last three years burn. We've watched all the desolation and the, uh, the, the famine they're having out west. We know now that many countries own a large part of our farming industry. They own the land and everything. Uh, we, it's like God, the hedge has been taken down in this country. Now, I got good news for the believer. I'm taking you down the valley right now, but I'll bring you out in a few minutes. He says, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. They're, they're shrinking. They're going under. They're in trouble. The, they're losing things. And he says, unless the Lord of hosts left us a very small remnant we would have become like Sodom we would have been like Gomorrah so there's a group everybody say there's a group and you should be part of it and I should we should be the people holding the line we should be the people praying and interceding we should be the people that stand for truth even if it costs us friends we somebody's got to stand with God and if we don't stand with God we will be destroyed like everything else we're seeing around us Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. That's true of the church. That's true of your family. That's true of your business. That's true of every single thing you have. You need to let God inside of every part of your life. Because if you are trying to do it, we're going to labor in vain. I'm talking to myself too and letting you listen. God has to be the center of our life. If He's the center of... And if there's ever been a time in this country where God needs to be the center of our life, it's now. We, we need to make sure that He's the center of our life. And then He says to them, He starts calling them, He says, you rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what He calls His own people. Now, let's go over to uh, Daniel chapter 9. Here's what we should be doing in Daniel chapter 9. This, we live in a nation like Israel now in this country. we got a remnant of people that are really faithful to follow the Lord. So why should we live? We should live like Daniel talks about here. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the lineage of the Medes, who was the king over the realm of the Chaldeans, 
In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in desolations of Jerusalem. So they were ramsacked, you know all that. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication. Now I challenge this in one of the Bible studies this week. If you're having fear or doubt, you need to change that immediately. Convert that to prayer. I don't care if you pull off the side of the road. If you're, the devil, he'll, he'll ride to work with you. Anybody ever notice that? I got in a car the other day, and the devil was already buckled in the seatbelt before I got in. And he'll lie and discourage and try to put fear in I, I, I believe it's time to get radical. If he's trying to cause you to be afraid or fear or doubt or have unbelief in Walmart, stop right there. Start, start praying right there. It's time for us to realize that our God owns everything. Amen? He owns it all. I, I'm going to tell this story because it fits here and then I'll move on. Uh, years ago, I was dealing with a guy who was pretty heavy in the drug trafficking and all that stuff. And, and we uh, want him to the Lord and all that. And uh, the guy who was supplying him got really angry. He's the guy, some of you heard me say, he looked, like, he looked just like Charles Manson. And so this guy had slipped back. His mom called me. She said, I'd like for you to go find him. I said, I'll, I'll go look for him. And I knew where the drug house was at, where there was no water, no electricity, but everything was right. So I got halfway there, and I realized I didn't have a gun on me. Now, I'm a country boy. Hank Williams Jr. playing back here in the mouth. I like to spit some beech nut in that dude's eyes and shoot all that stuff going on in my mind. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, and fear hit me. The devil got right in the car. And he said, you don't have no way to protect yourself. You're going in a drug house where you're not liked. And fear tried to hit me. And as soon as that hit me, I started praying. The Lord spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it may as well have been. It's so clear. Because I know when God's talking, He says things I wouldn't say. And He uses a lot fewer words than I would use. And he said to me, he said, if any, and I would have never said this like this, I'm a country boy. He said, if any man contends with you, I'll take his breath. Amen. Now, I, God didn't tell me he's going to kill him. He just said, I'll take his breath. Well, I felt like, then I felt like Matt Dillon at that point, you know. <laughs> I felt like I had a badge on everything. So <clears throat> I got to the drug house. I walked in, and it was full of people. And there stood Charles Manson right here. And there stood my friend over there. And Charles saw me because Charles had sent word to me and used words that I can't use or wouldn't use about he better, you know, not see me anymore. And so when I walk in, he sees me and I'm thinking, here we go. Front page of the news tomorrow, preacher and drug dealer gets in fifth by. That's what I'm thinking. <clears throat> And so he slides down the wall. I mean, he grabs hold of the wall, slides down the wall, and there's a chair there. He falls in that chair lifeless. Boy, when I saw that, I knew God had showed up with me. So I said, time to preach. I preached to the whole drug house for about 15 minutes. And then I got my guy, and we left. Well, then he was tough later on, sent word to me, you know, that this, that, and the other. And I, I, I was going to the hospital one day, and there was Charlie at the other end of the foyer. 
And I had the same thought, oh, no, front page of the newspaper. Pastor, local pastor and drug guy gets him fighting in the hospital. I see him coming, he sees me. Then that scripture hit me where Paul fixed his eyes on that person that had demons and cast the demon out of her. I said, that's what I'm going to do. And first thing hit me, I thought, God owns this hospital. He owns everything I'm walking on. It's all his. Everything is. And so I fixed my eyes on him, walked straight for him. He turned and went out the other hallway. It wasn't me he was afraid of. But I'm telling you, even the devils can sense the Holy Spirit. They know who's in charge. And so God will give us favor. So when you feel fearful, stop it. I, I, I hope to see in the next three weeks some of y'all pulled off on the side road out here praying. Uh, just turn that thing around. When he tries to put fear or doubt or unbelief, just stop what you're doing and start praying. That'll bring you to that life we talked about Wednesday. A life where the devil's trying to get away from you instead of you trying to get away from him. That's the kind of life I want to live. I want to live a life where the devil says, I don't want to mess with him. The Holy Ghost shows up all the time. That makes me mad. God is with us, and he's able to do far above what we can think or ask. He said, they prayed to the Lord and made his confession. He said, he said in verse 4, and I prayed to the Lord my God made confession. So we all need to repent. There's no perfect person in this building, no perfect person that's listening to this message or will get this message. And he says, and, he, and the O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love Him and those who keep His commandments. That's exactly what Jesus says in the New Testament. And then he says, we have sinned and committed iniquity and have done wickedly and rebel. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's really challenging me with. Now, I read a bunch of bad things that's going on in our country, right? Some with the church, some with the culture, some with the government. Our whole country's in chaos from the devil's perspective. What about us? What if we, instead of getting angry and upset and being mad and complaining about it, what if we started doing what Daniel did? What if we went and confessed our sins and the sins of our nation? What if we started praying like that instead of getting beat up, right, with all the things of the world? And then he says, I prayed and departed. He says, we've, we've departed from your precepts. And your judgment. In other words, they've neglected God's word. He says, Neither have we headed, heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name in our, to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs. In other words, we've not paid any attention to what you've said. And that's where we're at in this country as a group. And he says, Righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face, as it is this day. Think about what goes on in this world. And in this nation specifically, that, and if Jesus just started walking through our country, how would he feel about a group of people, Americans, that he's blessed us with everything? And we've turned our backs on him. We do our own things. We neglect his word. And then he says, he said to the Lord our God, in verse 9, belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. If you want to be a Christian, that's where it starts. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, your number one objective should be to start learning God's Word and doing it. That, that, that's Christianity. Christian, listen, God can preach with a donkey. He don't have to have me. But what He's after is He's after everybody that calls His name to do what He says. 
It's really that we're trying to come up, and you've heard me say this before, God don't need our ideas. God needs you to hear His voice and walk it out. And His voice is all in this book. And He will speak to us at times in our prayer and fasting. So I understand that. But God is looking for people who will do what He said. He will just simply walk it out. And then He says, He says, His servants are prophets. Yes, all Israel's transgressed. Uh, in verse 11, your law, and this is word, have departed as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what was been done to Jerusalem. Now, I know people are saying things are going to get bad, even secular people. But we didn't have to hear it from them. We knew how the end of time was going to come. But God's made us certain promises, and we're going to look at those. As is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster come upon us, yet we've not made our prayer before the Lord our God. Now, I want to ask you that. When you get in trouble, have you prayed? Have you invited God into your circumstance? Uh, the Bible says all things work together for good of those who love God and call according to His verse. You know that in the book of Romans. But in the Greek, it says it like this. God enters into all things. He's not in our messes a lot of times that we make. Just like King David. When King David took Bathsheba, had her husband killed, and then Solomon, then the child died eventually, then Solomon came out of that relationship eventually. God didn't cause that mess, but God entered into it and brought something good out of it. That's the kind of God we serve. If you've got trouble or you've got a mess going on, invite God into it and invite Him every day and pull off the side of the road when you start getting discouraged because you think God's not in it. Pull off the side of the road and ask Him again. He said He would never leave us nor forsake us. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I'll deliver them out of them all. That's, right, that's enough right there to keep going on. Every Christian in this building that's hearing my voice out there, that's one verse that we can all keep going on. The Bible says God will deliver us out of all our afflictions. There'll be many. There'll be many because the target's shrinking. Just like I said, the target's shrinking because there's not as many people following Christ. Many people are walking out on Christ. We understand all that. So the target's shrinking. So the enemy can focus more on a smaller group than he can a larger group. But I got news for Satan. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. We have the greatest access in the world. When we went behind that veil this morning, there's no greater place of power. There's no greater place of access. There's no greater place of truth. There's no greater place of forgiveness, love, and mercy. And there's no greater place of power. I, a lot of people use this verse as God inhabits the praise of His people in the Psalms. But in, in, in the Hebrew, it, means, it says God brings His throne into their midst when they praise Him. Now, I appreciate everything everybody did making that happen this morning. But you can do that at home. You can do that at, in your car. After I got a little ways down the road and realized who was sitting with me, I undid the seatbelt, opened the door, and kicked him out and, and let somebody else sit in there. Let God's throne get in there, Right? I didn't have to unbuckle the seatbelt and open the door. God did it himself. Jesus said, I watched him fall like lightning. Now, when he got crossways with God in heaven, and you fall like Anybody that falls, it's kind of like slow motion, right? You can, it's like, oh, no, right? Everything's in. 
But you go like lightning, you're gone. I don't know how that happened, but I got it in my mind that Michael, the archangel who's over the warfare, probably grabbed him by the, his britches or whatever he was wearing and just threw him out of heaven. You and I have more power available to us than a government does. You and I have more power available to us than a, the richest person in the world. They're living in, a, in, a, in a, an eternal sense. They're living in a temporal sense. We are living beyond that. We live with the power of the Holy Spirit. We live with the access to two-thirds of the angels. I had a preacher say one time, he said, uh, said I was in a battle. He said, I was a little discouraged. And he said, I was talking to the Lord. And he said, he just realized that the Father threw Satan out. And he said, I was starting to think how powerful Satan was in my battle. He's got a third of the angels. He's a supernatural being. And he said, I was starting to think about all. He said, and then it hit me that Jesus has got him under his foot. And he said, and then it reali I realized that even though the devil took a third of the angels with him, that meant God had two for every one he had. And then he said, and then the Holy Spirit's free to do whatever I need him to do. Because the Lord's got everything in check. You and I have the access to the greatest power on earth. Governments, militaries, none of them have power. We've watched God intervene in military things and all of that and turn weather, do all kinds of things because He is the one in charge. And I might say this, remind you that. That's the one place that God reminds us all who's in charge, ain't it? The weather. We can't do a thing about it. If he wants it to snow five feet, it's going to snow five feet. And I just, that's a subtle reminder. Next time you complain about the weather, remember, that's the one place God's letting you know he's still in charge. Therefore, the Lord has kept this disaster of mine, brought it upon us in verse 14. Is righteous in all the works he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now our Lord God, who brought you people out of the land of Egypt, a mighty hand, and made yourself a name as of this day we have sinned. We have done wickedly. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be praying, confessing our own sins, confessing the sins of our nation, maybe your family, whatever. You need to be talking to God about that to get His, uh, His play or His, His Spirit in your presence. He says in verse 17, Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant, the supplication for the Lord's cause sake, and for the Lord's sake cause your face to shine in on your sanctuary, which is desolate, O oh my God. Incline your ear to hear upon your eyes. Open your eyes and see our desolations. Now, that God don't sleep, but that's how it feels, right? When you feel that God's not interacting in your moment, it feels like He's not seeing. He sees everything. Which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your good mercy. Notice how that is in our culture, not just in America, but around the world. We think we're good because of the things we wrote down that we did good. And so that's how a lot of people think they're going to get in heaven by how good they've been. But notice what the prophet said, who may have been the most complete, perfect guy in the Bible, if we can say it that way. I mean, this guy, I've said before, if you only had Daniel, Job, and Joseph in the Bible, we'd all be miserable. Because it don't look like they really failed at all. Now, we know they're men. We know they were not perfect. But these guys were sold out. And Daniel is as good of an example of anybody we find in the Bible being close to being perfect. 
but he's still praying for forgiveness. Isaiah's another guy. Walked in the temple and said, oh, unclean lips. I'm hanging around unclean people. Now, I don't think Isaiah cursed, probably. But he probably had unbelief come off his lips. Doubt. Come on now. Things that are contrary to God. The Bible calls not having faith, he speaks to it as sin in the book of Hebrews. Because we don't have no reason not to believe. If you believe he come out of that tomb, we don't have any reason not to believe. Amen. Then he goes on to say, he says, <clears throat> he says, we do this because of your mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay. That's what we should be doing. We should be praying on behalf of the people that may even be your enemy. And we've got so many enemies, so-called, because we're so divided in this country. We've got to pray for them all. We've got to be like Daniel. We've got to repent for ourselves and repent for others. Now, let's go to Matthew 24. Let me see what Jesus says. If you want to be okay and not be depressed and overcomer in this kind of culture that we live in in this world then you need to do what Jesus says here. In Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 24. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is familiar to all of us. But he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, it's the Word of God, same thing Daniel was talking about, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And when I got called to ministry, I don't know, maybe through a series of people that invested in me or something, I didn't have any plans. I knew what I needed to do was learn God's Word and get it so saturated in me that it would be the foremost thing coming out of my mouth. I knew I needed to learn his ways. I didn't have him. matter of fact, you all know I ran for a while. I wasn't sure I was going to hang out with God in that way. But I knew I, God didn't need a plan from me. I didn't have a plan. I just got up every day with a mind and a heart to follow him. And it started by saturating. And some of you have heard me say, I don't care what position you play in the body of Christ, you need to be filled with the word. It starts right there. And then he said, he said, so whatever you do, he says, uh, focus on his word, right? Who hears his sayings. If you do it, you're going to be like the guy who built on a rock and it was found on a rock and it would not fall. But everyone who hears these mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew it and beat the house and it fell and great was its fall. You've seen this with people. I've seen it with people. They look good for a while, but when the right storm comes, it'll uproot them because they're not building on God's Word. And even in ministry, people do that. Why do you think I gave you those statistics? 1,500 preachers quit a day. We know there's some attrition. We know some of them weren't really called. We know some of them maybe did something stupid. We know some of them whatever, right? But some of them really were called. They just didn't do the homework. They just didn't study to show themselves approved. Quit getting ideas for God and stick to the basics. He'll bring the idea and he'll blow your mind with it when he brings it. 
Quit trying to figure out what God's going to do tomorrow and serve Him today. Stay focused in today. I've got a good reason for you to do that. It's biblical. Because none of us on tomorrow, you may be dead. You may be gone on to heaven. So why worry about tomorrow? Focus on today. That's what the Lord tells us to do. And He says, this guy, so that's your life, my life. If you want a successful life that will stand, then you need to build on God's Word. If you want a life that's going to be exposed sooner or later, how many have seen that tree that's maybe the biggest one in the yard, but its roots didn't go down? It didn't wrap around anything. It didn't tie itself down. It didn't get down into the earth. And then the right storm came by. All the little trees just swayed back and forth and kept standing. And the big tree toppled over. That's what happens to people if they don't build on God's Word. Now, let's go to... um, Let's go to... uh, Where do I want to go next? Let's go to Isaiah. Back to Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 18. Because I didn't want to leave you in the valley. Now I'm going to bring you out. Here's how we have hope. All right? How we have hope. What we're stayed in, what our state of na- our nation is in, what we should be doing. Now here's why we have hope. And then I'm going to close in just a moment. In verse 18, he says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. So God's not wiping them out. He's offering them another chance. He says, Though your sins be like scarlet, he does eventually wipe them out because they're stubborn. Right? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Everybody should get excited about that. What if you had to pack your sins up to Jesus? Though they are all red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, he keeps coming back to that. You shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse to rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. God offers everybody chance after chance after chance. The grace of God that brings salvation, Titus said, has appeared to all men. So God is faithful and He's after us. We sang about that. Your, your, your goodness is running after us. In Psalm 23, at the end of that, in the Hebrew it says, surely goodness, or in the, in the English it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right in Psalm 23. But in the Hebrew it says, surely goodness and mercy will chase me down. Now I can look at everybody in the eye and say that's Every single one of us in this building and everybody that's listening to me out there, His goodness and mercy and grace will chase us down and keep getting us out of the pit. Amen. Give Him praise. He's worthy. So so now let's go to uh, Luke 21. Here's why we have hope. Because God's a forgiving God. So you, you can turn your whole situation around today. Just today. God, if you turn, that's what he, he says. Repentance, metanoia. Well, I may have that word confused with sin. I think that's sin. That's what we need to do when we sin, right? Repent. But the Greek word for sin means to turn and go another direction. So in our culture... We just simply think repentance means to say you're sorry. That's not what the biblical definition of that is. The biblical definition is for stick man. If he's going this way, if he repents, he stops and goes back this way. That's what repentance is. So that's why a lot of people can't get movement. They feel sorry 
for what they've done. They, they don't want to carry that burden or that weight of sin any longer, but they don't want to take the action, the necessary action, to turn and go the other way. That's what repentance means. Repentance is not an emotional thing. It is an action. And they messed that up. And I've shared this with you in the Latin. They focus more on emotion than the verbiage. And the Greek tried to correct that. Uh, excuse me, the Latins messed it up and we've tried to correct it. <clears throat> and so in verse, in verse uh, 25 of, of Luke 21, he says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, in the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, hurricanes, men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. I don't know if you remember this, you're a student of history like I am, you'll know that in the 20s when the stock market crashed, men were jumping out of windows, committing suicide and everything. It's crazy. You read the accounts of what happened in the 20s. For the power of heaven will be shaken, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads. Here's a word for all of us. Because your redemption draws nigh. Amen. Keep your focus on that. You're living in the last days. Jesus told us what it would be like in the last days. So we wouldn't be caught off guard. And we got to keep our focus on that because our Lord's coming back for us. He's coming back for a bride. The bride didn't know when he was going to show up, so she had to make herself ready and be prepared. Hence the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Five of them were ready, five of them weren't. Here's something interesting. They all were in the same spot. They all looked the same. They all had the same utensils. But five of them didn't have any. I'm not concluding this for sure, but he could be talking about the church there. The virgins, the ones that called out. That even half the church, and I would say that's true. If you went across the world, half the people in the church are not even ready for the Lord to come back. They're playing a game. They're doing a few physical things, but they've never really surrendered to Christ. And so he says... Look up, your redemption draws nigh. And I'm going to close in Romans chapter 8. Let's go to Romans 8. We're climbing up the valley. I'm going to get you on top of it right here. I'm looking, and I don't care how far beyond this it goes, I'm looking for 300 Gideons. I want 300 people that won't give up no matter what. They won't give up if the devil shows up. They won't give up if something happens they don't like. They won't give up if, if whatever. They just ain't turning back. They're not backing down. 300. That God could just say, right there, they'll do whatever we ask for them to. Look at Romans 8, verse 31. What then, uh, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, it doesn't mean you won't have opposition. It just means it's futile. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. It don't matter how much comes against you. If God's on your side, the other team's losing. And he says, who, shall, who did not spare his own son? Now you think about that. If I'm willing to give up one of my children for your well-being, you can have anything I've got. If I'll go that far, if I'll sacrifice, I'm talking in my own terms here, if I would sacrifice one of my children... For your well-being, you can have anything. If I'll go that far, 
You can have anything I've got, my wallet, my car, whatever you want, if I'm willing. That's what God's saying. He got the most precious gift he had, the, the thing of the greatest value to him, and gave it for our eternal life. If God was willing to do that, how will he not freely give us all things, what Paul said in his way. He will freely give us all things. Everybody say all things. Too many Christians living like some things, but it's all things. If he spared not his own son, how will he not freely give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? I'm going to get a drink in a minute. I just can't quit talking. And then he says, he says, who shall bring charges? He says, he who spared not his own son, delivered him for us, I shall not... I've got ahead of myself. He will not with him also freely give us all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So now the Lord has went back to his rightful spot and he's praying for us. We should be praying because he's praying. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You're going to get into that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I want you to say no to all these things, all right? Shall tribulation, no. distress, no. persecution, no. famine, no. nakedness, no. peril, no. sword? No. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, there's a lot of people that hang around churches that are claiming God's with them that are not serving Him. And they just do it by stripes or years of longevity or whatever. All the promises of Christ Jesus are in Him, yes and amen. In Him we live and move, not apart from Him. In Him we have eternal life, not apart from Him. In Him we have all these blessings we just read about, not apart from Him. If you want to serve God, if you want to the blessings in your life if you want to overcome we need overcomers we don't need christians walking around with frowns we need christians overcoming and being an example to those who are out so they can say hey i want what you have the world's fell apart but you still look like you got it together none of these things he says yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am persuaded that neither death whoo Do you realize you don't have to worry about death if you love Jesus? Anybody that's died wouldn't come back down here to this place? No, how? Just think about it. All these things we're more than cause for, and I'm persuaded neither death nor life. That's the one that gets us. Jesus gave the parable of the sword, and he said, It's the cares of this life. People worried about stuff, thinking about stuff, trying to advance all the time. Cares of this life. He said, Be, be on guard about that. He said, for I am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities. Not even these demonic attacks that we overcame this morning. We got the power. Craig said it last week and I'll say it again. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us. And it's what the preacher thinks, but I think every demon from hell was there at that tomb that day trying to keep him from coming out. And they couldn't stop him. 
If we get a hold of that as believers, if we live according to His Word and get a hold of that, that saying, the devil's in trouble. That'll be a bunch of believers saying, the devil's saying, don't stop there, boys. Let's go down to the next place. We don't want to get around those guys. Nor height, things present, nor things to come. You don't know what tomorrow's going to happen, but you made up your mind today you wouldn't quit. Let me tell you who God can't use. There's one person God can't use. It's a quitter. He can use people who failed. He's proved that over and over. He can use people who make stupid decisions. He proved that with all of us. But the one person God can't use is a quitter. No man who puts both hands on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, Jesus said. You don't quit. You get up. I like what the old timer said. He said, when you fall, you fall forward. And you get up every time you fall. Righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up every time. And he's relentless about following Jesus Christ. You need to make up your mind to yesterday that you're not don't wait till you see what happens today. You done decided that. And why did you decide that? Because he's your husband and you're his bride. And he's the greatest husband that the world has ever known. <clears throat> you guys come to the instrument. If you don't, I'll never quit. <clears throat> I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. <laughs> Woo! That's why I got hope. I'm married to the greatest man in the history of the universe. That's why I got hope. He's so rich he walks on gold. He can fly without an airplane. He can raise from the dead after they didn't want him to come out. He can do all things. And he's given us the power and the strength. I've got hope. And the Greek word for hope is elpizo. It means hope without a question mark. It's not just a word out there, it's because of who the hope's in. Let's stand to our feet. My hope is in Jesus Christ and His righteousness and nothing less. I, I, somebody said, you ain't going to heaven on somebody's coattail. Oh, yes, you are. You're going in on Jesus' coattail. That's who you're. Not your grannies. Not your favorite aunt or your uncle or your dad or your mom. You're going in on Jesus' coattail. He made a way for us, right? All the promises. Think about that. Let that sink down into your ears like Jesus said. All the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. Lord, we thank You for this moment. I'm so grateful, Lord, for the praise and the worship that's just united in this place, Lord, to drive back the enemy. We see, Lord, Your plan. We see how You work. We don't know it all, but we're teachable, Lord. We want to grow. We want to have impactful moments with You, Lord, in our service time, in our prayer times, at home, on the road, wherever we're at. God, You are out of hope. There's a lot of bad going on in the world. Look up. Redemption draws nigh. We love Jesus. There may be somebody here this morning that's not right with God. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Maybe you've never repented. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Today's your day. Maybe you're watching by television. Right where you're sitting. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Invite Him in. Repent of your sins. Turn. And go the other direction. Go toward God. And maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you've kind of just got lukewarm like the Bible talks about in Laodicea. Maybe you've just kind of settled where you're at. Ain't no time to be settling. We need you to be on your game. Turn from those things that are dragging you down and trust in Him. Greater is He that's in us. He that's in the world. If you have sickness, anything going on in your life, 
that you need prayer for, come and pray. We'll pray with you, whatever you need. This altar is open as we worship you.